Fearless. 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 Fearless Presence. Years before the Da Vinci Code book came out in 2003, featuring bold new revelations about Mary Magdalene, Marguerite Regalioso, PhD, was one of the first scholar priestesses to teach about this great holy woman to small groups in the Boston area. Informed by modern icons of the Magdalene movement, Dr. Regalioso explores, writes, and teaches about goddesses and priestesses worldwide. Her most recent book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, Mary and the Lineage of Virgin Births, is remarkable. It changed my life. And she has a new book that will be published in 2024, continuously revealing her deep and evolving understanding of Mother Mary through her original and unique research. Dr. Regal Yoso is on a mission to help others embody and express the many forms of Mother Mary and the Magdalene. She has a new expanded and strengthened course, The Seven Mysteries of Magdalene, that launches February 21st, 2023. And I am so excited to sign up for this. <laughs> Welcome, Marguerite. Thank you. So- so much, Melanie. Great to be here. So I'd love to start with kind of what this renaissance of goddess energy and feminine energy that we're seeing everywhere and where that comes from and and how it connects to Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary. Yeah, there's been a big upsurge, as you may know, and may have experienced it. And maybe some of your uh, audience has experienced it. Over the past, I would say, at least 40 years of goddess coming back into our awareness in the Western world. Of course, she never left in countries like India and various other countries and indigenous traditions. She's always been under the surface in Christianity as Mother Mary and Magdalene. But it's taken some activity over the last few decades for people to realize Oh, these two figures are that sacred feminine, that goddess that everybody's talking about over here, especially when we're looking at, say, ancient Greece or the Hindu tradition or, you know, basically every culture around the world, if you go back far enough, was originally honoring of the sacred feminine, either in conjunction with the sacred masculine or as like the supreme being. And so we've had, you know, in the postmodern or modern Western world, we've had a lot of archaeology and scholarship that's been coming out over the past 34 years, 30 to 40 years, that has been showing us nuts and bolts, either in the ground, in artifacts or in texts, that these goddesses have always existed. Where did they go from our modern parlance? Why are we only talking about a male god? And how has this negatively affected the planet, you know, by us doing so? Who were these goddesses? What do they have to teach us? What is their medicine? How can we connect with them? And many, many people around the world have been going into these these goddesses, um, learning about them through reading and also learning about them through touching their ancient stones through their open channel intuitions, through gathering with circles of women, through teaching about it and learning about it. So all of this has been going on over the past few decades. And as I said, right on the heels of that, people were realizing that Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene 
were part of this lineage of the sacred feminine because these were more than they were human women i believe but they carried the archetypes of the goddesses especially sophia in, in in her form of sophia and so this is all part of what's emerging right now in this new time where the the feminine is coming back into full fruition we are talking about how she and with her women have been denigrated and distorted and so forth, how this has not been positive for the planet and what we need to do about it and how we're all coming into healing, a great healing, all of us, re regardless of what our sex is, through this great work and exploration. Yes, there's so much going on with, certainly with the goddess right now. I see that everywhere. And also with, with women and honoring their intuition. And I really love what you're doing as uh, when I speak, I define fearless presence as bringing together your expertise and your intuition that you get to bring both of those to the table. And I love how you do that so beautifully in your books. I'd love to touch on the idea of Mary as a title yes, versus a name. That's right. And I think that goes for Mary and also Magdalene. I think both of them are titles, really, for priestesshoods or types of sacred women. Mm -hmm. What I find in the case of Mary is that if you go back to the Hebrew, it's Miriam um, or Mariam, you know, there are various versions of this name as it would have appeared then. And if you go back further, you come to the Egyptian Mary, what's been transliterated as Mary, M-E-R-I, even though they didn't have vowels, <laughs> you know, in that language, but Mary. And when you look at what Mary is, it meant beloved of, or loving, or lover, or, you know, the one who is loving, Loved, the one who is love, the one who is beloved, the one who loves. And it was often a title, an honorific title that went along with Isis. So you could be Mary Jasmine or, you know what I mean? And it would be kind of like the one who is beloved of Isis, right? But this beloved of, this idea of what it is embodying is the concept of sacred love, the sacred heart, divine love. And so that's why you have all these Marys running around the Bible, including... <laughs> Mary Magdalene. They were, as I have determined through my research, all priestesses of sacred love and not only sacred love, but of womb mysteries, womb mysteries. That's, that's such a good, such a beautiful, or such a juicy term, womb mysteries. Talk about the value of mystery for a little, little bit, because we yeah. You know, in our modern world, we're so driven by data mm -hmm. and by facts, and we don't really collectively have a much of a value system for mystery, or we don't make that, you know, that lives separate from our work and from, you know, that maybe we take that to church, but we don't bring that, always bring that with us the rest of our lives. And we all carry around little devices that my friend's brother calls them the wonder killers that, you know, we can all answer anything on our phones in any moment. That's right. That's right. You know, the mysteries were the original way of conveying knowledge, information, and experiences of spiritual growth and awakening. The term in um, Greek from which it comes from, I think is muyen or something like that, which means to close, like to close the eyes and the ears, because it meant that it was an inner experience. And it was also these mystery learnings and teachings were things that could only be suggested through words and teachings, 
obliquely, but they really were things that you had to, you would learn by through the inner experience. Okay. So you could set up the conditions for the learning. It might be going into an altered state journey with sacred medicines, like in the Eleusinian mysteries, or, you know, there were other different types of mystery ceremonies and celebrations that were named in ancient Greece. But all in all, on the deeper level, it's not necessarily about an outward ceremony. It's about an inner process. And so that's why I named my school Seven Sisters Mystery School. And apparently mystery schools have been the fastest growing type of business or organization you know, in the past 10 or more years, because people are keying into this idea of the mystery path as the path of true learning, true education, because what it connects you with is not only the knowing, the knowledge, the gnosis that is available through the Akashic records, the library of all existence, but connectivity with the divine through these processes and essentially awakening your awareness that you already are divine at the on the inner planes you have a light body you have a core light which is source code you know source creator code and everything you are doing is in the interests of connecting in with that, activating that, and then having this experience of expansive knowing of the universe and like um, a oneness with the divine or what they would call entheos, meaning entheos in God, meaning being in the divine and having the divine in you. I can speak where collectively we're so disconnected from our bodies and that that information that we get from within is such a beautiful, you know, it, it's really not the information from yourself. It is the, inf like the divine information is all within you. And the thing that I've really learned or that I really appreciate about this whole mystery school movement, because I've, I've been connected to it as well, that ancient practices were so brilliant at teaching nervous system regulation. Wow. And, you know, but we keep that, we know we, we don't see these things as the same thing because nervous system regulation is maybe the, it's the nervous system regulation is the non-spiritual strategy kind of th that gives you access to some of those same mystery traditions that opens up your intuition and kind of gives you that that internal data. So in the separation of throat chakra is often a yeah my throat chakra I know well yeah my whole karmic often. backstory is about lost voice so I'm clearly on to something here yeah. saying something big well, because yeah, my throat is having a fit. <laughs> Yeah, whenever big information is coming through, usually somebody in the room starts choking. Yeah. That's what I've seen in my classes. And so you're the honorary. <laughs> yes. Honorary okay. choker today. So in this, like in the evolution of the goddess, really getting restoried through history and restoried through ancient text, I would love you just to touch on how Mary and Peter sort of ended up in competition at some level and sort of like where, because I think the way you describe, I've heard you describe that as a real marker to the collective shift in feminine power and or in patri patriarchal power that we saw. Right. So to distinguish Mother Mary from, from Mary Magdalene, although they're very closely related and they worked together, Mother Mary was the head of the church, essentially, 
uh, the head of the early Christian community after the resurrection. She was very respected by Peter, who deferred to her. Now, Mary, Peter was the head of the male apostles and the male community. And Mary Magdalene rose through quickly to being the head of the women, appointed that way by Mother Mary. Things we don't hear about unless you look at Mother Mary's old apocryphal gospels, right? Uh, her biographies. That's what I've been doing lately in writing my next book on Mother Mary. In some of these, as well as in the Gnostic gospel known as the Gospel of Mary, which is about Mary Magdalene and her experiences having specialized teachings with from Jesus, as well as some of the other Gnostic gospels. It might be Philip, there, uh, Pistis Sophia, there are a few of them. Peter has an issue with her in at least two or three of those gospels that is written about and coded. He's annoyed that on the one hand, he acknowledges that M Mary Magdalene had a special relationship with Jesus and he wants to know more. And then on the other, when she starts bringing out this information or when she is honored during Jesus' lifetime as the one who gets it more than any of them, he gets triggered and he starts acting up. And he's like, I think she's saying crazy things. Why is she saying that? Why, you know, is she so special? And all this, the usual human jealousies that can happen in community, including spiritual community. What Peter had on his side was patriarchy. So, you know, we're at a time, 2000, or so years ago when already women's roles were getting diminished. They had been great priestesses throughout the Middle East, you know, and, and Europe, but then they were starting to have their roles curtailed, diminished, and so forth and so on. So they're trying to hang on to their authority and their roles and so forth at the time that Jesus is coming in, which is in the middle of the Roman Empire. And so Peter gets all, you know, at her and some of the other apostles try to defend her. And then fast forward, all of a sudden, the main church is being named for Peter in Rome. Okay. So something happened in the midst of all that. There may even be further writings that I am not privy to that I've not exactly researched that trace that pathway one way or another all of a sudden Peter is the rock because his name Petra whatever it is literally meant rock <laughs> he then becomes the rock on which the church was built, even though Mother Mary was the original head, Mary Magdalene was the head of the women, and she actually knew more than all of them put together, the men included. There we are, patriarchy. Yes, yes, and here we all are. So the the, the patriarchy was certainly a power-driven um, move, movement, right. for sure. What was the the drive of the feminine led movement what was the like the greater desire for the collective from you know like i know in tarot for example like the queens are all about you know more bringing everybody together and consensus and this more you know and women are naturally very much like that yeah. as well and like if you were to imagine the world today the way like if it had stayed matriarchal right. what do you think would be different right well under the healthy feminine because we have to bear in mind that all sexes got taken over, divided, wounded, distorted, and hijacked. So all sexes carry the wounding and act them out. So we have unhealthy feminine behaviors. We have unhealthy masculine behaviors, but in its higher self form, <laughs> 
The feminine is all about a smoldering receptivity that is also creative and birth giving. So it's the white hole, black hole of all creation. And it is the womb, the archetype, the architecture of the feminine is the womb. And Sri Kaleshwar, the great Hindu, late Hindu saint talks about that mother divine has a holy womb chakra from which she has birthed, you know, essentially all of creation. So the feminine is fiercely birth giving. It's receptive. It's nurturing. It's encouraging. And, you know, those are not that the masculine doesn't have those, but that that's some of what yin, you know, the yin qualities of the feminine are all about. And that's what ended up going somewhat missing or getting suppressed under patriarchy, which had a strong, controlling, unhealthy masculine energy that was getting imposed over the entire world, not through the any intrinsic problem with men or the masculine. We're talking about forces that have been upon this planet and human the human race for quite some time that wound in and orchestrated these distortions and the warfare between men and women. I was reading recently about, you know, well, certainly we know that like, you like, you don't come into this world unless you come through a womb. That's right. Really. And the, I was reading recently about yin and yang kind of in the same spirit that you were uh, discussing how the talking about how really the yang that masculine comes from within you know that the the feminine the yin births all of it and that even it made me think that even the yin yang symbol that we see isn't really representative of what's of the creation because it's not really that equal thing that there needs like it should be inset <laughs> That's right. The the yin yang, when you consider that the whole thing is the circle, that is the womb in which the yin and the yang play out their constant cycle and interactivity. So at the same time, it is interesting though to hear how Sri Kaleshwar also talks about the masculine creation story in the Hindu tradition. But when you break them all down, it's kind of all the same thing. It kind of all comes down to really the divine mother as being the foundation of all creation from which everything else emanates. So even though we have these masculine creation stories, if you break down the words and the names and the aspects of what's going on, it's ultimately the goddess. And so how does the path of Magdalene lead us towards sacred sisterhood consciousness? And why is that so important and powerful today? So I talk about these seven mysteries of the Magdalene in the new course that I'm offering um, at Seven Sisters Mystery School. And one of these mysteries I call the, the mystery of sacred sisterhood for achieving support in shepherding the new awakening. Okay, sacred sisterhood as being necessary, foundational grounding and holding so that women can do this work. And what we find out, what I've found out through my research is that Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene were intimately acquainted and connected and interactive around and with Jesus. And that while Mother Mary was initially the senior woman, um, the mentor and the teacher, the leader of the whole early Christian enterprise, Magdalene had her own set of knowings from her past lives. And, and she was able to come on equal par, in a sense, with Mother Mary. So they were co-sister teachers in a way, right? Co-gurus, sister gurus. So this model of being 
both the mentor and the student, the mentee and the teacher is a new model, a new old model whose medicine could be helpful to all of us as we move into more group interactivity and we're trying to have more harmony um, on the planet in our interactions, in our groups. It's quite challenging because we still have the wounding from the arconic forces that have worked here and they still operate and love to come into our wounds and twist the knife and this and that. And it makes it more challenging to work with one another because then all these issues come jealousy, power struggles, blah, blah, blah. So the medicine of Mother Mary and, and Magdalene together is one of harmonizing, being in right relationship with one another as women of power and being leaders through that, that we can follow as mentors in our lives. I think there's, I love this. And there's like in my own history, I was a Navy spouse for 20 years and it did not lead me to loving groups of women. And it really took like a, a, some other transformative experiences to, for me to develop my trust in women and to think that women were acceptable forms of just existence, you know, which was my own relationship with myself at some level. But the wounding was just so repetitive and deep. And in Mary Magdalene's history, what medicine is there to help us in dealing with those negative forces? Because they're not, I mean, they are within ourselves and I can certainly talk all day long about them within nervous system regulation and archetypal forms, but there's, you know, but we're so wired for story. So what is it about her? What, you know, where is the story? What is it in her story that we can learn from? Right. And that is one of the things I'm going to be looking at in the class because she received special teachings about this from Jesus. And this is what is revealed in what's called the gospel of Mary that has been attributed to her in that she is the Mary who's being talked about. It's her experience. She's recounting what Jesus taught her. She's sharing it with the other apostles. Peter gets into a tangle with her about this. But the one of the set of sets of teachings that is in this from Jesus is that there are certain forces that you are going to encounter. This can be in the death passage as your soul is, is going into the light or going wherever it's going to go next. Or even in this lifetime, we encounter these types of spirits. And it's like, um, I have to look back at it, but it's kind of like the energy of, um, you know, strife and you know, all these negative energies and forces that the soul encounters at every rung or doorway, you know, up into the, the ascension of the soul. And these forces will tell you how bad you are. Okay. You've been a killer. You've been judgmental. You've been this, you've been that. And so the soul needs to have the codes of understanding of what to do to address these adversaries, as they're called, every step of the way. So again, these are adversarial energies we encounter in our lives. They attack us on the inner planes and then after death. So we're going to be looking at, you know, how are we working with these demonic forces, so to speak? What is the code word, you know, for getting past them? And then what are the other technologies that we need to work and develop within ourselves so that we're strong enough to withstand this and go through the ascension cycle into the light. I so love this, you know, other people deal with this, you know, certainly what, what you're saying is akin to mindset work and how we, you know, and how we all get, get in our own way and, 
getting through obstacles and you're doing it in such a beautifully, or I would say cellular level kind of transformation. And how can we really draw on those mysteries to co-create more for ourselves and more in our lives? Yeah. You know, I mean, people can start by looking at those ancient source texts like the Gospel of Philip, Pistis Sophia, and there, there are others, or reading some of the books, many books that have been written about Magdalene <clears throat> from grounded scholarly perspectives, as well as inspired oracle perspectives. If you want to just go in on it yourself, seeing what's being said, how does it resonate for you? Then, and, and maybe there are, maybe there's just medicine in reading it, or maybe there are things that come to you on the inner planes through your own inner mystery school, or, you know, you can call on Magdalene, ask her to help you work through whatever it is that you're working through. You can take any of these wonderful classes that have been offered, including the, the upcoming one starting February 21st, 2023, but that will remain online, The Seven Mysteries of Magdalene, for additional, you know, mine and other classes where, where we have tools and toolings, processes, meditations, you know, those types of things that you can practice with. So it's a matter of opening, asking, discovering, and practicing. For everybody listening, I can't emphasize enough what medicine Marguerite's book, The Mystery Tradition of Immaculate Conception is. I know when I find a book that just, that carries so many deep, that carries a deep truth, just a, a soul level truth, like there's a very specific feeling to me with that. Like a, another book that has done that for me is An Arrow Waiting to Pierce You by Peter Kingsley. And there's many similarities like you, that you both, like both of the books are grounded in historical evidence and A Story Waiting to Pierce You is, it talks about Pythagoras or it's about Siberian shamanism coming to ancient Greece and to Pythagoras in particular. And the parallels that you're talking about in terms of like Pythagoras had past lives that he wrote about and was very familiar with. And that's something that we, we don't learn that in math class when we're learning the Pythagorean theorem. And there's so much research and so much data that doesn't get into our mainstream lives. And I so appreciate that you're bringing that to the masses and to really op open up the possibilities for new things for all of us. Thank you so much. I mean, it's my passion and my joy. Uh, it's what I came in to do. And I just started looking at the books. I mean, I was always a student and I started looking into these and especially in grad school, looking at these texts and going, whoa, these are filled with rich that are so relevant. They just need to be slightly translated into, you know, modern understandings, but it's all right there. And yeah, I mean, instead, Pythagoras is used as a torture mechanism for adolescent when if they knew what he was really about and could be shown and have access to this, first of all, they'd be learning what they really need to do. And then secondly, they would look at the math in a whole different way, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. We're, we're so deeply wired for story, not for facts. And the reason these ancient texts have lasted as long as they have is because of the story format. And it's the reason we still remember the ancient myth of Isis and Osiris. 
yeah. as it was, uh, you know, and it contains the numbers of the Earth's processional cycle. It was a way of communicating the science. And in a thousand years, nobody's going to remember all the data that we've collected no. these days, but they will remember our stories. That's right. And how those stories made you feel, right? Even more. Like I think it's, uh, was it Maya Angelou or somebody like that who said, they're not going to remember what you say. They're only going to remember how- How you made them feel. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't remember the data. We remember the story and the way the story lives in our bodies. And one of the things that I teach is how the neuroscience or the, the how the neurotransmitter sequence that we need for change is the same neurotransmitter sequence that a good story takes us through. Wow. I mean, that's profound. You it's know, so profound. Yeah. Talk about integrative medicine, right? You are in it. <laughs> Absolutely. The story is, is just so incredibly powerful. And I'd love to hear you talk more about how Mary Magdalene is connected to the Hieros Gamos or sacred marriage. I certainly have my own interpretation about how spirit comes from above to connect with physical body below and that you are the divine child. Yes. But I would love to hear that the Mary Magdalene, you know, what you've discovered through your research. Yes, those are the teachings I've received too. That, you know, we are the divine child and the divine comes from above and below and within. And those are some of her mysteries as well, because, you know, it's all going to come down to that. But in terms of more specifics about sacred marriage, what I find with Magdalene is that she was a priestess of the inner and the outer unity. Mother Mary was more the priestess of the inner unity, which led to her sacred parthenogenetic conception and birthing of Jesus, where Magdalene was using the Holy Womb Chakra technologies to work with sacred sexuality with Jesus in order to conceive children. And so let's lineage. back up for a minute and talk about what parthenogenesis is to start with, just so parthenogenesis essentially is virgin birth. It's conception without male sperm or male influence in any way. And every once in a while, you see a shark did it, a snake did it. You know, there's these stories. Well, Mother Mary did it, not through accident, as we've been told, through passive reception, but rather through a sacred willed process that was part of priestess knowledge in the ancient world and was carried through lineages. Her mother before her conceived her in this way through sacred parthenogenesis and so on. Well, and if you're thinking that, oh, well, that can't be possible, or that's just a one-off fluke in the research, like th there have been actual research studies on about parthenogenesis and they get shut down. That's right. They do. For example, Jerry Hall was doing a an experiment on mice eggs. He was stimulating them to reproduce through electric shock or it, no, I think it was chemicals. Put them back in the mice. They started growing in the wombs of the mice mothers. And then the National Institutes of Health shut the experiment down saying it was violating ethics. So there have been other experiments like with sea urchins and so forth to stimulate parthenogenesis. And as we see certain animals in captivity will parthenogenetically reproduce. So it's, it's possible on the biological level and it's possible on the spiritual level because it's possible on the quantum level of the holy womb mysteries. 
you know, women who are intimately knowledgeable about and acquainted with their womb powers, the powers of conception, the workings of DNA, the workings of quantum physics on that high supreme astral mystery school level have been able to do this over the millennia. Your book excited me so much because part of my, with my, a lot of my clinical expertise being in the heart brain connection, the gap is the uterus heart brain connection that we're not, and we have direct connections from our uterus to our brainstem via our vagus nerve, which when you, when I listen to your book, I'm like, oh, this is all such a vagus nerve process, which has been my, my clinical expertise for years. So like, I, like you've really inspired so much of the thinking and the physiology of it for me. And we don't, harness power from our wombs. The heart, I totally understand the, the heart brain medicine. It's great. It, like, I'm not going to say it's not true, but we are missing an essential piece because we are literally made in Trinity at oh, every yeah. level. It's like, we're not made in just this heart brain connection. Like with there, 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 there is a third part and all of the, the big speakers in that arena are all men. Yes, that's right. So they only get as far down as the heart. I've seen these drawings, these pieces of art, da, da, da. I just saw something in a show the other night and it's like, yeah, it needs to be in Trinity. And guess what? Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene also worked in Trinity, not just with Jesus, but with another Mary who was Mar Mother Mary's sister, originally named Paragita, who then was given the name Mary by Anne, her mother. So they were working in a Trinity. They always worked with Jesus. <clears throat> I think that's fascinating, Melanie, about what you're, you know, physiologically about the connection through the vagal pathway. That is something we should hear more about, because I think the more we have women scientists looking at this material and being able to discuss it, uh, the more we're going to fill in those gaps. So I'm really thrilled to hear what you're saying. Oh, th thank you. Well, I, so much of those, you know, you were definitely a big part of inspiring those, some of those connections or maybe certainly making them more specific, you know, and we're definitely threatened by the sexuality. Like I've heard some of these very well-known male speakers, like they intentionally don't harness the pelvic power in their workshops because it, they feel it's, a, or my sense is they feel like it's a little too risky or they don't want to. And, and I get it. Like, you you know, we're so, our second shockers collectively are so stuck yeah. in many ways, you know, and we don't necessarily know how to move the energy and, or, you know, and creating that safe container is really important. And, but what you're describing uh, is so is such a tantric kind of way of being or in line with tantric philosophy, which historically was not, you know, sexuality was a teeny tiny part of tantra. It was really a way to accelerate your spiritual path. Yeah. And the energies can be used in so many different ways, just like as Sri Kaleshwar taught in his Holy Womb Chakra teachings, the energies of the womb can be used in so many different ways. So it can be for healing, you know, in addition to conception, it can be for healing and it can be for other like seemingly supernatural powers to master the material plane and, you know, acquire Acquire the Siddic powers, the cities, which are these abilities to do seemingly counter material things, <laughs> counter biological things. So, yeah. Marguerite, talk 
a little more about your Seven Sisters Mystery School and the your program that you're offering. I'm going to have the link in the show notes and it, it just looks incredible. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Seven Sisters Mystery School is something I founded in 2012 as a way of accelerating the opening of the priestess path for people so that they could either access the information within themselves or teach it out in the world or both activate it manifest it somehow and so i've been teaching many many different types of classes in person online workshops etc for these past going on 11 years now and i work one on one with people in in mentoring or clairvoyant sessions um and different types of programs with that and so i have various things that are available for people. And the most recent, the upcoming one starting February 21st, that will remain in replay so people can indefinitely access it and and register for it is called The Seven Mysteries of Magdalene. And this is really about how to access her sacred living wisdom stream to energize your own divine purpose on earth. So we're going to be going through these seven mysteries and accessing tools related to each of them so that you can stimulate and activate some of these abilities within yourself as a pro- as part of your own spiritual path, moving toward inner unification and the activation of your source creator light within you. And so people can go to sevensistersmysteryschool.com slash Magdalene. I'm sure you'll have the link uh, below in the show notes. And there's also a free video there that you can enjoy to hear about more and, and some of my uh, experience with this material. And I'm very excited about this because with each class that I teach, I have to dig in and learn about this. And so, for example, one of the things I'll be doing in this regard is in in advance of this course is to be offering on my YouTube channel, my monthly show, Co-Creating the New Earth, is the one in February on the 17th is going to be dedicated to me going into Oracle space using sacred lady cannabis, Santa Maria, specifically to access information about by and for Magdalene for others and people were encouraging them to go to my Marguerite Regal Yozo YouTube channel come on live at 1130 a.m. Eastern that day and start writing your questions in the chat because, you know, I'll be in high octane Oracle state and we want to look at these various questions. I don't know what's going to come through. I've never done anything like this before. And that's going to be part of my own wisdom body, you know, receiving and incorporating her wisdom. So it's very exciting and and there will be more coming through each of these class modules. I mean, I basically I have the material I'm going to teach, but I'm always in this open state and the, and, and the participants are with me. So it's like a, I, a I, can, bell. I, I completely understand. I, I know that space really, okay. really, really, really well. And, you know, and sometimes what you have yeah, that ability to, you know, to have this academic, uh, I think we all do this at some point 
level, but to have, you know, sort of the academic foundation that you have and then allow the channeling to come through. It's an incredible, it makes for an incredible container and incredible messages. And for anyone listening and looking for really the connection uh, between nervous system regulation, I just, your first section is on, uh, is about aroma or fragrance or something yeah, like that, right? The anointing, the anointing. And the anointing, sick. anointing. Yes. And smell, you know, like I, you know, I teach exercises that involve smell because your first cranial nerve is your olfactory nerve, the one that drives smell. Mm -hmm. So these anointing practices and the smells that go with it are very regulating for the nervous system. And so you're, you know, even if you're not, you know, I know you're not selling it from the neuroscience standpoint, but you're doing the things that people need, you know, even like rosaries and mala beads and things like that were ways to regulate the breath. They were ways to have nervous system regulation you know, and really strengthen those pathways so that we could have more collaboration and have, you know, have better relationships, you know, have fearless presence, have our confidence and all the things that we're really looking for in our lives. It feels like, you know, some level of collaboration. <laughs> that would, I would love that. It would yeah. be good to happen. You know, yeah. maybe we'll see, we'll see what comes yeah. about. Yeah. Anything that can validate and amplify and expand, you know, what is coming through is wonderful, I think. Yeah. Well, and we're, th there's always something else that is true. And so much like when we want change of any kind, the thing we have to do is dismantle our addiction to being right and find out what that other story is. And that's often the, that's the humility, the humility in it. Yes. Too. <laughs> right? you know, what, yeah. That something, something else is always true. And on that note, talk for a minute about Mary Magdalene's connections to the earth realms and the world beyond our three-dimensional experience here. So she was, you know, like Mother Mary, a woman who walked the planet, a woman who probably had many lives. I do believe in um, reincarnation. She wasn't just born and all of a sudden, oh, you know, it's like it takes some repeated applications coming through the earth plane time and again <laughs> before you get to be one such as these yeah. great beings, okay? Um, but it's possible, you know, and the door is way, way more open for each of us to do a lot of that acceleration in this lifetime. So don't despair. But yeah, in those mysteries that she was given from Jesus about how to work through the rungs of the bardo, essentially, you know, the pathway that you go through after death, she was intimately connected with that. And we have to remember that um, Jesus removes seven demons from her, according to the New Testament. She, like anyone, had entity attachments, <laughs> you know, got to clear it out in order to um, not be held back at every point when you're trying to do this work. That and other stories about her, you know, she knew about these realms beyond the physical. Mother Mary knew, Jesus knew, the whole holy family retinue did. They worked with angelic beings and so forth. And this is what we're all coming to awakening about now. Like, oh, this is just part of the natural world. Angelic beings, demons, uh, you know, <laughs> right? Realms of consciousness beyond this one. That is a critical memo to get for anybody who really wants to advance their soul growth. Well, and- And have a better life in this planet. Absolutely. That's the whole reason you do like the soul Absolutely. growth really it shows it shows up in the physical plane for sure when you when you do the work or, or so, I, 
Yeah. It's not about getting out of the body. It's about coming more deeply into the sanctified body. Dr. Mar- Marguerite Rigoloso, thank you so much for being here. This has been such a fun conversation and I'm so okay. grateful that you were, took time out of your day to, for us to chat and we'll have to do it again sometime. Yes, it's been a pleasure and an honor to be with you and blessings on your own work as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Presence Podcast. Text FEARLESS to 411321 to take your first step into Fearless Presence. For international numbers and more information, including my free playbook, Six Steps to Fearless Presence, go to fearlesspresence.com. Be sure to subscribe for more inspiring stories and information to help you step into your fearless presence.